Welcome to Momentum Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen? And I'm excited about this series, and um, I, I love the anticipation that I've been seeing online. People just, and I don't believe they're excited about your preacher preaching, amen? I believe you're excited about listening to, to Jesus over the next 50 days starting today. And um, we're going to move into today, the first week. If this is the first time you've been in, the, in here this year, this is the, the second week kind of of the series, but it's the first week that we begin looking at the seven I am's of Jesus out of the book of John. And so I want you to begin to go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm, before we get to John, Psalm, turn to one, turn to 18, Psalm 18, and we'll get there here in a second. But God began to show me the last month and a half um, what he wanted us to pursue as a church. And, and when you hear preachers say that, you ever hear preachers say that? God showed me something. Isn't that weird? Like, like, really? God showed you? I think it's weird too. I'm being honest. Like, like you can be going through life, <coughs> you're thinking about things, and then all of a sudden, just this inspiration comes. And I'm just going to tell you, as your pastor, I'm thankful for that inspiration. It is such a blessing when the Lord begins to speak, and you know he's taking you in a direction. Because when you follow that, you'll see fruit from that. And so with that, the Lord began to speak that the vision that we needed to have in 2020 for our church was a fresh vision of who Jesus is. That's really what it was. It's just a fresh vision of Jesus and what it means to follow him. And if we're going to be able to gain that vision, then we have got to have a vision of the cross. Not losing sight of the cross is a vital, vital, important part of being able to see what God has for us in 2020. And here's the reason why. You can't be developed. All right? I'm not saying it's hard to be developed. I'm not saying it's difficult. I'm going to say you can't be developed as a disciple, as a believer that is growing, if you don't begin to look at life through the lens of the cross. You've got to look at life through the lens of the cross. I'm not going to stay on this long. If you missed last Sunday, go back and watch the podcast or the video on Facebook Live and um, go check that out. And Facebook Live, we are so glad you're joining us today. I get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people every week watch this. Do you guys realize that? And I love that, that we're able to disciple people even beyond the four walls of this house. So go check that out if you missed last week. I'm not going to go too long, but I want to remind us about the two truths when we look through the lens of the cross in regards to our faith. And the first is this, the cross is the place that Jesus died. We know that. It's the place he died to self. He had a will too. He was 100% man and could have decided to have not gone to the cross. But he died to self. Why? So he could live for you. That puts value on you. Not a humanistic value because that would be all upon your own doing. But it puts a divine value upon you. Think about it that way. The shed blood of Jesus was the price paid for you to have life. Man, that means that blood is valuable, but that means you're valuable as well. The second part of the cross where it gives us a good vision, a good understanding of our faith, is that it's also the place, the Bible says, we're to pick up our cross and carry it daily. So it's also the place where daily you die. Everybody say, Jesus, help me die to self daily and live for you. Say it one more time. Jesus, help me daily die to self 
and live for you. Yeah, so that's that second part of that. And that part sounds a lot like submission. That part sounds a lot like your will be done. That part sounds a lot like, God, I want to hear your voice. And when I hear your voice through scripture, when I hear your voice in prayer, when I hear your voice through a ministry leader or even a friend, I want to respond to that in kind. I want to respond to that in submission. Because I think a lot in the American church have lost that. We've lost the idea that daily submission to Jesus is a vital, vital part of our faith. And I believe that we as Christ followers, everybody shout Christ followers. You know, that's something that came out probably about 20 years ago. People stopped saying Christians or believers. And, they were, and I love that, that, that we're Christ followers. And I've used that for years. Guess what that means? There you go. Woo, that's deep. We are Christ followers. We're not followers of our will. We're not followers of our desires. Although sometimes our desires can line up to his will. That's the goal, you know, but we are Christ followers and it is humid up in here today. <clears throat> so let's stand to our feet. I want you to see a scripture the Lord showed me during my sabbatical, and it was my prayer for the majority of my sabbatical. This came to me during my devotional time during the sabbatical, and it says this, Psalms 18, 20 through 24, God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. Are there pieces today in your life that are unsubmitted to the one you say you follow? Okay? God made my life complete. And guess what? This isn't me writing this. So I can't say that. You know why? Because I haven't given him every piece yet. I wish I could say that. That's my goal. That's my aspiration. That's what my, I'm striving just like you're striving. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. Now I'm alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted. Every day, shout every day. Every day. Shout it again, every day. Yes. Yeah, this is going to come back into play here in a little bit. I review the ways he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. Watch this. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. Whoa, that's a promise. You ought to get excited about that. It's a conditional promise. But when we open the book of our lives to his eyes, God begins to rewrite the novel of your life. How many of your life is less than novel? You'd like to see something shift. You'd like to see in 2020 something begin to be written a little different than what you've been walking in. I do too. Well, here's why. Here's what we have to do then. Listen, often God desires to rewrite the script of our lives, but we fail to open up the pages of our heart to the scribe of the ages. He is that. Listen, we must let the one who is both the writer and the word etch into the parchment of our souls his words of life, purpose, and direction. And that's my hope. As we look at the I am's of Jesus, as we challenge ourselves with who he is, not who I am, but who he is, that we begin to say, you, Jesus, begin to write upon our hearts your direction for our lives. You write upon your heart your purpose. You, you lead us into 2020, into this year, as our pastor has said, as I've said, this year of discipleship and development. Amen? 
And that's what's going to happen in looking at Jesus. There is no hope for discipleship and development without a deepening awareness of who Jesus is. Amen? And so let's pray. Father, over the next few minutes, as we begin to look at this first of your seven IMs, Jesus, that you declared over yourself, Lord, would you just drop into us what it looks like to experience you daily in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have your seats. <clears throat> Every time I think my voice is about there, I realize it's still, still not quite. So you guys got to just bear with me a little bit. So the first of the seven IMs we look at today that are all recorded in the book of John, all seven. And we, today what we look at, we see him declare, I am the bread of life. And think about it. When you think about bread, bread is a staple that sustains you. Amen? You know, I, how many like bread up in here? Oh, yeah. Like, like carb load. Come on. Mm, Jesus. You know? It's a staple for life. But the Lord began to show me something that we're going to take a little journey with today. Because for me, bread is, yes, a staple that sustains us. But for me, bread is a staple that points to relationship. All right? Let that sink in for a little bit. How many of you in this room right now, you have some comfort food memories? Okay? On the count of three, shout out your comfort food. One, two, three. Did somebody say salad? That's Satan. No, I'm kidding. No, no. I like salad. I like salad. I don't think it was comfort food, but, but when I think of comfort food, Sunday afternoon dinners growing up, after church, we're always at Grandma Bobby's house. Grandma Bobby was born in Pikeville. You don't say Pikeville, it's Pikeville. Pikeville. How many from, from that area? Anybody? Eastern Kentucky? So Grandma's from Pikeville, Kentucky. She literally was a Hatfield. Probably not the same Hatfields, but she was a Hatfield, her maiden name. And my grandmother, Bobby, would always have the best cornbread that you could ever have. And she was so Kentucky, it wasn't called cornbread. How many know what it's called in Eastern Kentucky? Pone. Mm, that just sounds good, right? Pone. Cone. Pone. You know you want to say it. Go ahead. Cone. Pone. Yeah. So my grandma going to make her some pone. And obviously it's going to be in that big old cast iron skillet. And you flip that bad boy over and it's just dark on the out. Oh. Mm. Good stuff, you know. And it's so dry that if you don't put butter on it, it'll suck all the moisture from your body. And you will just die. You know what I mean? It's like, it's that, that. And, and if you do have Jiffy Cake, that's exactly what it is. My grandmother would call that Yalla, not yellow, Yalla Cake. Don't bring no Yalla Cake in here. It ain't no birthday. It's Sunday dinner. We have pone. And so grandma put that bread out there. And it was so comforting. It just was. And my grandmother was so sweet too. She would never let us put a knife to her bread. All right? She, you just could not put a knife to her bread. You had to put your hand underneath of it and, you, honey, now snap yourself off a little bread. That's what she said, snap yourself off. And here's why. She'd say, if breaking bread was good enough for my Jesus, breaking bread is good enough for us. Isn't that cute? I love that. <laughs> if breaking bread. Yeah, but there was something about that, that that spoke comfort to me. There was something about that bread, still to this day, that just bread speaks relationship to me, you know? It just does. What, what do they do at a restaurant? I know they bring bread to be filler, but they bring that bread out. And man, you've got the bread and you're talking, and it's just so much about relationship, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Bread points back to those kinds of comforting times. And last year I was, uh, you know, getting myself healthy again. And, and I go to mama's and she's got pinto beans and I'm trying to keep from them. And mama, I'm not eating no pinto beans. Oh, honey, you want to have some pinto beans. Well, okay, mama, I have some pinto beans. And she gives me, you want some cornbread? No, no, I'm not going to have no pone. I'm not, I'm just the beans is fine, mother. You know, I eat about a half a bowl of pintos. And then I'm like, I'm looking across, <laughs> I'm going to get choked up. I'm looking across at my mom. My mom's been sick for a few years, you know. She shouldn't even be alive, but God sustains her. And I'm looking across the table, and I'm just like, these beans are good. But you know what mama's beans taste like? They taste like they got cornbread in them. <laughs> Mama, give me some of that cornbread, butter. Put it down in there. Put the pintos on it. I'll figure this out later. But right now, I'm enjoying mother's presence. And this cornbread and this, and now you can't live like that all the time, you know what I mean? But I'm just saying there's something about bread that to me speaks of relationship. It just does. It speaks of that. Bread is so comforting, isn't it? Like if bread, like I don't eat bread much now. And so I'll go to a restaurant. And Amy laughs at me because they'll put bread on the table. And I'm like, I'll grab a loaf, a little thing, you know. And, and, and Longhorns is great for this. Oh, And I just, I just take it to my nose and I just... <laughs> squeeze it. I squeeze it. I, I want to get all the atomic essence into my, 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 you know, and then I put it down. I cover it with a, a, a towel or a napkin because Amy's like, you're stupid. <laughs> so this week as we start the church fast, if you're dying, just, and then just put it away. But it's comfort. If I could have a bread blanket, wouldn't that be awesome? Actually, I saw a friend, Patrick Palmer. He got himself a burrito blanket. He wrapped up in it. He looked delicious. <laughs> bread is awesome. So as much as I believe bread points to sustenance, and we'll talk about that today, I believe it points to relationship. This week I was talking to one of our, our church people who we've known for over a decade and got to see her come to Jesus and grow in her faith. And she comes from a faith background that, for her, the way she said, was very religious. And she said, I'm not about religion anymore. God's brought me into a relationship. Hmm. Touched my heart just to hear and to see how much she's grown the last decade. Listen, keep religion and relationship in your mind as we turn to the gospel of John and begin to look at this idea of bread. In scripture, Jesus said he was the bread of life. That's in John chapter 6, verse 35. But before he said that, we see in John 6, verses 1 through 15, the story in scripture of Jesus feeding the 5,000 on a hillside miraculously. Now, we know it was more than 5,000. That was 5,000 men plus their families. And so we see that. Now, before we see Jesus teaching that, we see in John 5, because you can't just look at a scripture, amen, and go, okay, let me just find that. No, you got to look at things in context. And as I began to look at this, I was looking broadly in context, and I started back at John 5. We'll get to 6 in a second. But listen, in John 5, verse 39, it says this, you search the scriptures. Jesus is talking to people that have a faith background. They know what they're supposed to know, okay? These are Jewish people that were raised in scripture. They understand religion. They understand all this, the practices, the do's and the don'ts. They get it. But he goes, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. You see that? You think that somehow this gives you eternal life. 
that they bear witness about me. And it is that they bear witness about me. That's good. But watch verse 40. Yet you refuse to come to me. You hold back. You're refusing to come. Now think relationship there. All right. You've got religion. You've got scripture. You've got this figured out. But you refuse to come to me. Does it sound any different than church now? Does it sound any different than me sometimes? No. Does it sound any different? I know all this stuff, Ross. I, I get the word. I get the script. I get it. But don't come to him. I make my faith about a lot of other stuff other than my relationship with Jesus. You refuse to come to me that you may have life. Watch this. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I've come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. This is really important because there was a relationship between Jesus and his Father, and there is an invitation to come into that same kind of relationship. This is all about relationship, people. I love it. You do not receive me. See glory from one another, and you do not seek the glory that comes from the only one God. In other words, that idea of glory, doxa is the word for it, that idea of glory, their glory was set on people. Their glory was set on their priest. Their glory was set on their favorite rabbi. And even Jesus wasn't going to let that be. He wasn't even going to let them be just his, the next favorite rabbi. He's not just pointing them to teaching. He's teach, pointing them to eternal life. Where the relationship's going to take him into eternity. <coughs> it says, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you've set your hope. What does that mean? All the list, all the to-dos, all the religious stuff that accuses you, that shows you you're wrong. And guess what? We are. But the relationship with Jesus takes care of those things. And so he's saying, that's not what this is about. I'm not trying to get you to live up better to this law. I'm not trying to get you to live up better to religion. I'm trying to get you into a relationship with me. This, this, this daily bread. I'm trying to get you into a relationship. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. If you really read it, you would start to see me, he says. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So then the next thing, after he kind of attacks, after he speaks to this, then the next story that we see in John 6 deals with this miraculous experience. So the next thing you see is the miracle of epic proportion that I believe draws what's familiar to every Jewish person present that day. It just like draws to their mind. They, every Jewish person that was there, they, they're getting this, okay? More so than we even get it. They're getting this. And I think it draws on some comfort food memories that Jesus uses to take them a little bit deeper. Watch this, John 6, 1 through 5. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Again, signs, miracles. That's powerful and that's wonderful. And they're chasing after that. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Verse 4. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. I don't know how in all these years of ministry and reading scripture I ever missed that when it came to this story. I just, I just missed it. Now the Passover was at hand. That's why the crowds were gathered. They were all coming in for Passover, for this wonderful celebration of God's hand of deliverance. 
And so lifting up his eyes then, he sees the large crowd and they're coming toward him. And Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? You know, and Jesus knew the answer. He was kind of setting Philip up a little bit. But in this story, we begin to see that I believe there's kind of a comfort food memory, if you will. Because every one of these people that were hearing this, seeing this miracle of the bread, take place. They all understood Passover. They all understood. And this would have been a season of heightened awareness to their history. All right. Listen to me. It's the night. It's right at Passover. They're coming in. Their heightened awareness of history would, I mean, all Passover, the whole, when you sit Seder, the whole experience that night is dealing with memory what Jesus has done or what God has done. It's, it's looking back at this idea of history, salvation, what God has done in relationship to his people. So I believe the origin of their history was tied to relationship. And Passover is a time when you remember this. And so this is on these people's minds as they're coming into town. They're, they're, they're coming there. There are deliver, there are deliverance, there, I'm sorry, their deliverance from Egypt is on their mind. That's what they're coming into. And during Passover, and I've taught on this years ago, there are four cups during Passover. And one cup, it says this: I will deliver you. It's the cup of deliverance. Another cup, I will save you, cup of salvation. I will redeem you, cup of redemption. I will take you as my people. I'll take you and make you a nation. And that's actually the cup of praise because as God's people are God's people, God gets glory. Amen? Doxa, D-O-X-A, he actually gets that glory, that, that praise starts to happen as people that really are to be God's people start to walk like God's people. In Exodus 6.1, he says this, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Then it goes on and says, I am the Lord. So this is, the, this is right at Passover. These people have gathered. Yes, they're hungry, but their minds are on the historical origins of their faith. They're coming in to celebrate that God is a deliverer, a savior, a redeemer. And yes, he is calling us to be his people. And it is the I am God. It is the one that is bringing them to deliverance. Now, the story, as you well know, that they don't go out and buy bread. They find a little boy. He's got five loaves and a couple fish. And I love the story. It's barley loaves, which was just the common bread of the people, the more like the poor people. So it's not, it's not something that, that is just the, the highfalutin people. Man, this is just real common folk. And Jesus does this miracle for them. In John 6, 11, it says that he takes the bread, and this is a, a, a piece of, of challah. Everybody, challah. Okay. And he takes the bread, and, and he breaks, and, and it says that he gives thanks, and then he begins to destroy bread. So he would thank the Lord for this, and, and actually what he would say, he would say, Baruch atah Adonai Elohenu Melech Aulam Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. He would pray. I'm sure he blessed. Thank you, Jesus, for this little boy and the food he brought. I'm sure he prayed some other stuff. But a Jew at that time, that's what they're going to do right now. That's what they're going to pray over the bread. And then he breaks, breaks the bread and begins to pass it out. And this miracle happens. All right. Well, what would you say, Ross? Baruch atah Adonai. Blessed is the Lord. Eleheinu. Melech Aulam. Eleheinu is, is our God. Melech, the king of the universe. Or Olam. Aulam is, is like of all, of everything. Chamotzi lechem. Everybody say lechem. Now people wipe the back of your head off that was in front of you. No. 
Lehem means bread. And Aretz is just is like the earth. So blessed is that, 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 that one that creates the bread from the earth. And, and here's the thing about it. Does Lehem sound familiar to you a little bit in light of Jesus? What city did Jesus come from? What, the city he was born in. Beth what? Beth what? Beth Lehem. I mean, obviously we say Lehem, but Beth Lehem means Beth is house. This is so cool. House of bread. The region was known for their bread. Hmm. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It's not an accident. That's not where he was from. He's from Nazareth. Nazareth. But he was born in this house of, of bread. I think that's so powerful. These things, people, would not have been lost on these people listening to this. There would be little things, and maybe they wouldn't even realize it exactly, but the Spirit of the Lord would be pulling on these things into their hearts. And over time, that the remembrance of what Jesus was saying but it goes back. How many times did that Jewish boy hear his, his family say, Baruch Eloheinu melech haolam. You know? How many times did they hear that prayer? I'll tell you how many times. Every Friday night, for sure. Every Shabbat. Definitely Passover, you know? They would hear that over and over, that he is sovereign. But the better part of Passover, it's not that he is sovereign. It's that he comes to save us and redeem us and deliver us and call us his own. Does that sound like relationship? What comfort can we receive when we think of Jesus as the bread of life? What comfort? Ultimate comfort food. When we think of him as the one that delivers and saves and redeems and calls us his own. And so... The story goes, they bless them. Now, I do love something, and I've taught you this before, too. He had them all sit down before he began to distribute. And I want to challenge you over the next six more weeks to sit down, okay? What do I mean by that? Don't miss a one of these. If you can't be at service, watch it, amen? We can, can, how many people can commit to that, this series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the reason why. They didn't get fed till they sat down. Some folk are starving because... No place long enough to receive. Smile. <laughs> All right? And I'm not, I know you might have a, some appointment you're going to miss sometimes, but, but check it out. And then I'm going to talk about it at the end, what we're doing together and reading and, and some actions that we're going to be doing over this, 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 this series. <coughs> and so this is also the story when they, they leave, they go across because I believe Jesus is trying to get his disciples away a little bit to have their own time of Passover. And they get across and they leave and Jesus is there and there's a tempest on the sea and Jesus comes walking on the sea. That stuff's awesome, okay? There's so much stuff that's awesome in scripture. But finally they get on the other side and morning comes and the people realize they're gone. And so they make their way to the north side of this, of this lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Tiberias. Same thing, same body of water. They make their way up there to that spot. And, and so they're chasing after Jesus. So in chapter 6, verse 24 through 35, when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You know, he's challenging their motives a little. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Now watch this, verse 28. Then they said to him, 
What must we do to be doing the works of God? They still don't get it. They want to just go back to Moses' scripture. They just want to go back to religion. What do we have to do? What's the works that we have to do? What's the religious thing that we need to put our hands on about relationship? It can be pleasing to God. All right? That's why I'm telling you this whole thing, I believe, is about relationship. Jesus answered him and said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who has sent you, who he has sent. Isn't that good? This is the work. Believe on Jesus and who he is. Be that Christ follower, not that Christ, that person that goes, yeah, you know, I know what they say, but I'm not truly following. I'm not really pressing in. And if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, <clears throat> man, I'm glad you're here. I hope that as you begin to move toward the things of Christ, we can keep you from religion. Amen? We can save you a lot of pain and help walk you into what it looks like to have a, religion, a relationship with Jesus. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? Trying to see some manifestation. Watch this. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And so here comes another little comfort food memory. We know the story of manna, you know? And so we want to know what miracle you're going to do, Jesus. What thing are you going to keep doing, Jesus? Come on, Jesus. Jump through the hoops. What are you going to do next, Jesus? waiting for lightning <laughs> it is amazing what God did with the manna it was beautiful for 40 years the Israelites when they were in the wilderness going from Egypt to the promised land God provided for them daily the scripture says God provided you hear that God provided but it's out of the heart of God it's not the miracle that's the focus it's that God provided and daily, like frost on the ground, this white flaky substance, the Bible says, was kind of like coriander seed in texture and size. It would manifest every morning on the ground. As the, the dew was gone, so it would it be gone if you didn't collect it. And you'd have to collect it and grind it up, and you would make your, your cakes out of it. You'd make your, your challah out of it. And the family would be able to eat bread for that day. Everybody say daily bread. For that day, as they gathered around in community, for that day as they shared their lives, for that day as they had relationship, for that day, yes, the sustenance would come, but this, this center of relationship would be present throughout their meals during that day. It was just good for that day. If you didn't collect it, it would rot. If you tried to collect it too much and keep it to store it, it'd be spoiled by morning with worms and stank. Stank. I don't know if that's a real technical word. That's how it'd be. Now, the miraculous would happen on the night of Sabbath. They could gather that morning, Friday morning, and by Sunday morning, they would still have it. It would work Friday and Saturday. That's awesome. That's just a, a point of God's miraculous power for that day of rest. But that's just so amazing to me how that would work. But listen, in verse 32, Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread. They got their eyes on Moses. They got their eyes on the bread. No, no, it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. In other words, it is Jesus that meets the deepest needs of man. Jesus, all right? All the miraculous 
Today you might need bread. Tomorrow you may need something else. But it's Jesus that is the focus. Religion will have you focus on the stuff. But Jesus has you focus on the substance, on him. And so Jesus said this to them. I am the bread of life. Verse 35. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And now listen to this. I don't think it's an accident where he says, I am. I believe this throws back again to the relationship the Jews had with, with God in, in ancient times. The story of the Israelites' freedom all started with Moses saying to God, Who shall I say that sends me? Who am I supposed to tell them that sends me to be their deliverer? And the Lord from that fiery bush says, Tell them the I am has sent you. Now Jesus is standing before them and declaring, I am the bread of life. In other words, I am. I am the one that will deliver you. I am the one that will save you. I am the one that will redeem you. I am the one that will call you my own for the praise of my own name and for your blessing. I am. Everybody shout, I am in this house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get your eyes on me. He's saying to these people, don't look at the manna, don't look at Moses, get your eyes on me. The story of salvation is wrapped up in a relationship with me. Not our past, our history, not even our texts, not not, not anything to do with religion, it's me. That's where the story of salvation is wrapped up. I am everything that you need. Here's the reason why. Because manna was good for a moment, but Jesus is good all the time. Amen? Amen. A miracle is good for the moment, but guess what? Jesus will sustain you for a lifetime. I would have loved to have got a hearing miracle. I'd have shouted all day long. You know what? But God has shown me that he sustains me in a daily relationship with him. And there is patience I've had to learn because of this stupid thing. My wife gets to talk more in public because of this stupid thing. When we're in environments in public, I get more quiet and she gets more verbose. That's not how it used to be. I know that's hard for you to believe. There's benefit that's come. There's things with relationship that's come that I didn't understand Jesus' ways because I was looking for his hand, not his heart. But through relationship, through this, I, I look past. This is the miracle I wanted. Whew, and God manifested relationship to me that'll carry me through any time of lack, that'll carry me through not having the miracles that I want. Because how many know Ross wants some miracles every day? <laughs> so do you. Listen, these people, their eyes were on stuff. Stuff, not the provider. And as long as we are satisfied with the stuff, we will miss the substance that the stuff is supposed to point us to. This is why people embrace religion. But over time, religion fails because the stuff of religion falls short of the substance of relationship. I want you to, you may have to go back and listen to some of this again, okay? I gotta keep preaching. Manna. Chasing miracles, but missing the meaning behind the miracle. That's what happened for 40 years. Can you imagine if God was giving you a miracle like that every morning? Wouldn't you press into the things of God? No. They went and made a golden calf. And so would you. So would I. Because our eyes get on the miracle, not the maker of the miracle. We get focused on the stuff, not the substance. (coughs) We chase the supernatural, but in the middle of it, we miss the substance that the supernatural is pointing to. This is a Pentecostal church, people. Did you know that? And I believe in Pentecostal power. I believe in signs, wonders, miracles. Yes, I do. But man, everything ought to point to Jesus, not some show. Come on. Amen. 
so what manna is pointing to is a daily need. Okay? It's saying you need daily bread to sustain you. You need daily <coughs> relationship to sustain you. And I love how bread, every culture has its bread. Doesn't it? The Italians have a focaccia. That's a good stuff. You can't do that. Greeks have pita, upa, you know. I'm trying to think of some other ones. The French, we oui, we, oui, they have the baguettes, which are awesome. Amen. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. I already said the Jewish people have the challah. Oh, yeah. And my mama, hillbilly from Pikeville, Kentucky, has her compound. But every culture has this, this bread, this thing that just points. You've got to have the daily need. It points to that. But it points to religion. But what I love even more so, every culture has bread. Why? Because bread is for everyone. I ain't never met nobody that don't like no bread. <laughs> Everybody likes bread, right? Listen to this. John 6, 47 through 49. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes, bread's for everyone. Whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Can I just say it this way? Don't be satisfied with religion. Press into relationship with Jesus daily. That's what that bread is showing us. But beyond the miracles, miracles will come and miracles will go. But press into Jesus and that relationship with him. And you will always be sustained. Experiencing that daily bread, that will, so spiritually, that will spiritually sustain you. Can, can I ask you this? Have you ever got real hungry before? Like you got so hungry you were hangry? How many right now you're looking at your watch? No, it's still a little early. If I was preaching this long in the second service, they'd be hangry about it now. But can I tell you why? Hangry Christians. Do you know why? Can I tell you why? Because the religion of Christianity will leave you hangry. It's not enough to sustain you. The religion of Christianity, you'll get hungry, and it will leave you hangry. Verse 49 says, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. They never believed in God. They never believed. There was a few that were able to go into the promised land, but so many of them just died in the wilderness. Hangry. Because they looked to the manna for their daily thing, but not God. I just want to challenge us into that relationship. I want to challenge us to partake deeply and daily of the bread of life. The, the focus of our faith, not all the stuff. And when I say the stuff, guess what? Your pastor is included in the stuff. I'm part of the stuff. I am. Your worship pastor is part of the stuff. We all are part of the stuff. Your group leaders, journey group leaders, part of the stuff. Your favorite TV preachers, part of the stuff. Your cute little Christian calendar that you just had to have. Because you know if you get that Christian calendar, this year you'll read the Word of God every day. And now you're like, crud, I haven't. It. <laughs> it's part of the stuff. There's a lot of stuff. But our eyes go back to Jesus in a relationship with Him. That's what the gospel message is about. It's beyond religion. It's beyond just the do's and the don'ts. It's just going, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Show me what that means. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to put on the screen. We, we sang this together last week. I want to sing it one more time. We may sing it later on in this series too. But let's sing together. I have, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. Turning back, no turning back, no turning back. Sing the cross, the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. You may be here this morning, and this is exactly what you desire. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're like, that's what I want. I don't want religion. I just want to know that he's in my corner and I'm in his corner. He has come to save you, to set you free. He has come to redeem you. That means to pay for your penalty of sin. Covered by his blood. That thing you did on the cross, it covers you. Covers your blood. All those sins. Done. White as snow. He's come to call you his own. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, Ross, I want to know Jesus as my personal Savior. I want to know what it looks like to have a relationship with him. Would you raise your hand just so I can see anybody in this room today? Amen, amen. Jesus, right now, we just come to you. I see some hands. Just say, say, Jesus, I want to follow you with everything that I am. Forgive me for my sins. I accept that you died on the cross for those sins. That you were raised three days later from the grave. And that the spirit that's in you, that raised you from the the grave, is now in me as I come into relationship with you, Jesus. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. What we're going to close with is just this. We want to invite you into this 50-day journey. And so it starts today. Today we begin to read Matthew. And I just want to challenge you every day to read one chapter. That's it. We're going to start today with Matthew 1. Tomorrow, Matthew 2, and so on. When we finish Matthew, we're going to read the book of John. And so that's 49 chapters starting today. We'll be able to finish right before the end of this series. And so begin that today. Tomorrow, we're going to fast food as a way of saying, God, you are the bread of life. You are my sustenance. You are everything, Jesus. And when you fast, take some time to read those scriptures. (coughs) Pastor Ross, does that mean I don't eat anything? It might. If that's what the Lord's laying on your heart and you just do a water fast or a water and a drink fast of some sort, for others, you may say, I'm going to give up meat for the week and I'm just going to eat, eat vegetables, etc. you know? For some, you may give up sweets. For others, coffee. I don't know what it might be. I just want 100% participation in something regarding food. Reminder to you that you have a relationship with him. We don't eat food this week, whatever that might be. Let it be a reminder to you that you have a relationship with him and press into that relationship during that time when you would normally eat that food. Amen? And so that's the second thing. And then next week we'll have another one. It'll be a little bit different each week. So we're reading scripture. If you forget what we're doing on a given day, you can go to mymomentumchurch.tv and there is a link that says the cross before me. You can go in there and in that link, it'll show you right where you're at every day. Cool, huh? All right, so you can do that. And then the final thing, next Sunday night, um, I just got this invitation a couple days ago. The staff doesn't even know this. We were invited to come with um, Greater Church, Chino, a friend of mine, and Don Sablingini. He's the pastor at Faith Community Church over on Bells Ferry. We're invited to a community worship night 
at Faith Family Church on Bells Ferry. And we'll get some information out to you. But it's 6.30 next Sunday night. If you want to come together and worship as we kick off the year with a few churches, that would be a beautiful thing. And so God bless you guys. Pastor Brantley. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.